Good morning, Canopy family. My name's Josh. I'm one of the pastors here. It's really good to be with you this morning. Uh, I'm grateful for the opportunity to open God's Word together, which we'll do in just a moment. But first, let me say to all the dads out there, Happy Father's Day. Um, we have some amazing fathers in the Canopy community and grandfathers and a great-grandfather, spiritual dads as well. And we want to take a moment to thank you, to honor you, and to pray a prayer of blessing over you. We also want to acknowledge that like Mother's Day, uh, today can be painful for people and that there are people in our Canopy community who have strained relationships with their fathers or difficult relationships or, or no relationship at all. Um, we also want to acknowledge that we have some amazing uh, single moms in this community who are serving as both mother and father to their kids in, in profoundly powerful ways, but that a day like today may carry some pain. And so we wanna pray a prayer of blessing over you as well. So here's what we're gonna do. Uh, I'd like to ask if you are with somebody who fits into one of those categories, a dad, a granddad, a spiritual father, or somebody for whom today might be painful, would you ask their permission and lay a hand on their shoulders? We prepare to pray over them. If you are alone, um, if you need to receive this prayer, would you just hold your hands out and receive? Um, or if you want to kind of send this prayer to people in our community, just extend a hand toward the screen as I pray. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful to you for the gift of fatherhood and the ways that you intend it to reflect your character to us. We're grateful for the men in our community who do that well, who show us who you are by the way they love their families, by the way they love us. We're grateful for the single moms who do that for their kids as well. We pray, God, a special blessing over them on this day. For anyone who serves as a father, would you bless them with your father's heart for them? Would they know your love in a real and tangible way today? I know they all know it. I know they've all experienced it. But by the power of your spirit, would they experience it anew again today? Uh, and Father, we do pray for anyone for whom today may be difficult. Would you also let them know your Father's heart for them? That though uh, their earthly fathers may not have reflected your character well, they have you and that you are real and that you are near and you'll never leave them or forsake them. Would they know your Father's love for them today? Father, we are grateful for the gift of fatherhood. We're grateful for the people that you have entrusted that to in our communities and the way they carry that forward. We pray your blessing on them today so they can continue to be a blessing on all of us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks, dads. So last weekend, my family and I had an opportunity to uh, head out to the desert, to Palm Springs for a little mini vacation. And while we were driving out there through the desert, I was thinking about you all, thinking about our church and the journey that we're on together. You know, we're on a journey to learn to live free. And as we've talked about often over the past couple of months, that journey usually leads through the wilderness. Um, it seems to be one of God's favorite strategies. You know, he sets his people free from an oppressive regime. He gives them a new name, a new identity, and then immediately sends them out into the wilderness where that identity is worked into them as the other names are worked out of them. Uh, we see this over and over again. As we've talked about often, we see it in the book of Exodus, the people of God there. Uh, we see it after a fashion in, in the early church in the book of Acts. We even see it in the ministry of Jesus when Jesus is baptized in the Jordan River. He comes out of the waters and the voice of God speaks identity over him. You are my son in whom I'm pleased. And then immediately after, the spirit of God leads him into the wilderness where that identity is tested and, and reaffirmed. Um, and so I got to thinking about that as I was driving through the wilderness, through the desert with my family and thinking about, okay, what are the features of the desert that make that possible? Because it seems like that's what God's doing in this season, this sort of global wilderness season that we find ourselves in. It seems like he's working stuff out of us and working stuff into us, that he's wanting to, to uh, make us more free, that he's wanting to make us more into the people of God that he's 
already created us in Christ to be. So how does he do it? Uh, I looked at all the hard stuff of the desert, you know, the heat, the dryness, the endless miles of nothing. Thought about what it must have been like for the people of God to wander for 40 years in that kind of an environment as I drove through it at 70 miles an hour in an air-conditioned car. Uh, I thought about all the amazing stuff in the desert, you know, this kind of clear, fresh air, um, miles of visibility, quiet, clarity. Um, one of the things I noticed, and I'd notice every time I make that drive, is the wind. You know, you can hear it. You can feel it kind of pushing and pulling against the car. And it turns out, I did a little bit of research, it turns out that the Coachella Valley out there is the windiest place in California. Apparently, a little science for you, it's something called the Venturi Effect, where the hot air of the desert pulls in the cool air from the coast and it comes rushing through there at up to 20 miles an hour for at least seven hours a day. So really, really windy spot. And as I got to thinking about that, I thought of other deserts I've been in and realized that wind is often a feature of the desert. You know, you, you get this kind of hot wind in your face, sand blowing everywhere, your hair whipping around. And before you ask, yes, at one point I did have hair to whip around and I miss it every single day. <laughs> but Seems to me that a dominant feature of any extended time in the desert is wind. And that got me to thinking about John chapter three. I'll read uh, the first few verses of it here. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God. For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. How can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You must not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. All right, so there's this guy named Nicodemus who is a member of the Sanhedrin or the Jewish ruling council in Jerusalem. He's a Pharisee, which is a religious and political organization. Um, and he comes to Jesus with a really important question that he's afraid to ask. He came at night, uh, and, and the dialogue here shows him kind of beating around the bush to ask the question. I used to think it was because he was afraid of the other Pharisees. He didn't want them to know that he was talking to Jesus. But it seems here um, that Nicodemus is talking as if he's representative of, of, of the other Pharisees, which means uh, the way I'm reading it these days, I think he's more afraid of the Romans than he is the Pharisees. Because the question he wants to ask Jesus is about the kingdom of God. You, 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 it's implied here. It's really, really clear. Uh, he says this to Jesus, look, I know you're a rabbi. <laughs> I know you're a teacher, in other words, and we all acknowledge that you've done miraculous stuff, which means you must come from God. In other words, you have to be a prophet, come from God. Um, and then it's at the end of verse two, it's almost like there's this pause, you know, this really weighty pause, uh, like a, a dot, 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 an ellipsis, where what he wants to ask next is a really important question. I know you're, I know you're a teacher. I know you're prophet, but what I want to know is, are you the Messiah? And the reason he would be afraid, afraid to ask this is because that kind of a question is tantamount to treason. According to the Romans, there was already a king over this, uh, over this territory, and that king did not tolerate rivals. So Nicodemus comes at night to ask about the kingdom of God because that kingdom, uh, according to his belief and the Pharisees' belief, would supersede, would actually do away with the Roman Empire entirely. What 
He wanted to know, is Jesus, are you the Messiah come to bring the kingdom and the restoration of all things? That's what kingdom of God means. It means when God comes and deals with all of the enemies of Israel and exalts Israel above the nations of the earth and then uses them to bless uh, the rest of the earth and restore creation. He's wanting to know if that's about to happen. Um, and I wish we could walk line by line through Jesus' response because there's so much here, but we don't have the time for that. Instead, I just want to point out three things that Jesus wants to teach Nicodemus and us about the kingdom of God. The first one is, he says, this kingdom that you're waiting for is ultimately uh, already here. Um, it, it, that's implied in this text in ways that it's really clearly stated throughout the rest of the New Testament. Uh, but here Jesus says something fascinating. He says, no one can see it, can see it unless they're born again. He doesn't say no one will see it or no one will enter into it, but he talks about it as if it's a present reality. Nicodemus is coming and asking and saying, are, are, we've been waiting and waiting. Are you about to do this thing? Is God about to do this thing through you? And Jesus seems to indicate that, no, there's something here that you need to enter into through a process that he calls being born again. Now, what's interesting is that language born again Nicodemus struggled with it, but it actually came from the Greek philosophers who talked about sort of the end of the age and this rebirth or this restoration that would happen. It's this, this sort of end times power. And what Jesus seems to say here is that end times power of regeneration is available now. And as you experience that, you enter into the kingdom of God that's already there among you, uh, which would have been pretty mind bending for Nicodemus as we notice from his response, he's having a hard time understanding the fundamental revelation that the power to restore all things is already present among us. Um, we as Christians know, we've talked often in this church even about how uh, there's this already but not yet tension where God, uh, Jesus has already inaugurated the kingdom um, and will one day come back to complete uh, to, to fully bring about that kingdom. But we live in this tension where the kingdom of God has broken out and we can enter into it. And that's what Jesus is trying to say to Nicodemus here. Uh, the second thing he points out to Nicodemus is the kingdom of God will not be brought about in the way you think it will. Um, he says, you have to be born again uh, because um, the flesh gives birth to flesh. And if you keep on going, the, the, my understanding of what he's saying here is, if you keep on going about things the way you've been going about them, you will continue to get the same result. Flesh gives birth to flesh. No, no, no. If you keep uh, insisting on kings coming and conquering other kings, you will get the same result that has always happened every time a king has conquered a king. A nation rises, an empire rises, it flourishes, it declines, it falls over and over and over again. But if you want to see the restoration of creation, that only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. The kingdom of God, Jesus says really clearly here. In other words, the place where God's will is done, the place where creation is restored, where lives are renewed and the entire earth is blessed, can only come about by the Spirit of God. The flesh and the strategy of the flesh, which means the strategies of the world will continue to produce the kind of fruit that it is designed to produce. All right? A, a tree can only bear the fruit um, of the seed that it comes from. And flesh, worldly systems continue to give rise to worldly systems. Jesus says, if you want to see a divine system, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you have to be born of the Spirit. Only the Spirit can do this kind of work. So Nicodemus asked the question, and Jesus says, let me stop you right there. You are barking up the wrong tree. Something has to change. 
And that's where the third revelation of the kingdom of God comes in here, which is really, really profound. Jesus says that thing that needs to change is you, right? Nicodemus, now this, this is where Nicodemus' mind is blowing up because um, he was about the best guy there could be. You know, he was a Pharisee. He was a moral guy. Uh, he was influential and powerful. He actually seems to be a genuine seeker here. You know, at some point, the Pharisees become antagonistic to Jesus. But here, it seems like they're really attentive to the possibility that he's something special. And they want to know. He seems like a genuine seeker, a kind of guy that we would want to, to that we would like. Um, and Jesus says to him, if you want to see it, if you want to enter into it, you, Nicodemus, you must be born again. See, he thought he was positioned to do it. He thought he was positioned and he was just waiting for God. You know, I'm waiting here for open hands for God to move. And when he does, then he will drop the kingdom in my hands. And Jesus seems to say, no, you're out of position. You are fundamentally missing things. You need to be transformed from the roots up. You need to be reborn if you want to experience this. The power of the kingdom of God has to transform you. Right? You put those things together and you realize what Jesus is saying. Here's the deal. This kingdom has already broken out. It breaks out wherever the king is. And here I am standing in front of you. And it's not the kingdom that you expected it to be. It's not born of an earthly system, but of the spirit of God. And therefore, if you want to enter into it, you have to be born again of the water and the spirit. Water, of course, referring to baptism, this moment of salvation, this moment of repentance, where I go under the water and am buried with Christ and rise out of the water to new life. But then he says, you also have to be born of the spirit. As, as the spirit then begins to seal and, and empower this new identity in you, you have to be recreated from the ground up. And that's this journey of freedom that we're talking about. That's this journey of learning to live free. The moment of baptism is that moment of salvation, that moment as you come through the waters, through the Red Sea. And then the Spirit transforms you into the new identity that God has already given you in Christ. And what he's saying here to Nicodemus is, you've got to be changed. If you want to enter into the kingdom of God, it starts in you. So here's how this all comes home to us today. The question I want to ask is, do we want to see the kingdom of God? Do we want to see restoration break out in our lives, in our families, in our church? Do we want to see end times power come flooding into our community, into our lives? Do we want to see the kingdom? Do we want to see rebirth and renewal? I tell you what, I do. I desperately want to see the kingdom of God. I want to see it in my life. I want to see it in our lives, in our church. I want to see it in our families, our schools, our workplaces. I want to see it in our nation. I want to see it in all nations of the earth. I want to see sickness healed. I want to see chains of addiction and shame broken off. I want to see families mended. I want to see every place of darkness and brokenness illuminated and made whole. I want to see every injustice come to an end. You know, this is obviously, we've been talking about this a lot as a church over the past several weeks, and we are going to continue to talk about it because it matters to God. It matters to me. It matters to our community. Uh, the racial injustice that's in our society, I want to see it come to an end in and through us at Canopy Church. I want to see us model 
a new way forward where systemic racism has no place, where we become a people of radical justice, of radical diversity. As I talked about a couple of weeks ago, I want us to lead the way in this conversation and not follow behind. I want to see the kingdom of God break out in our church in a way that opens us up to a whole new kind of body of Christ that is inclusive of all nations, of all peoples, uh, where everyone is truly free. That's what I want to see. That's the kind of church I want to become. And my friends, we're, we can. That's what Jesus is trying to say is that kingdom is among you here and now, like it's available to you here and now. Again, we know that there's an already but not yet tension here, but Jesus calls us as the church to live into that space, not to stand back and say, oh, well, it's never going to happen until he comes back, but to say, no, it's available. It's been inaugurated. Let's live into that fulfillment. Let's live into it. So when Jesus comes to make it all right, we are prepared. The power to make all of the injustice, uh, to put an end to it, is available to us here and now. And church, I want to live into it. And here's the thing, just like Jesus says here, it's only available by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look, there's, as I said a couple weeks ago, there's all sorts of things that we can be doing um, to educate ourselves, things that we can be doing to, um, to change our habits, to, to change our ways of thinking. There are all sorts of practical steps we can take and we should take, um, but we cannot let all of those things become our only or our primary engagement when the reality is the restoration that we long to see, the kingdom that we long to see break out only comes according to Jesus and according to the whole of scripture by the power of the Holy Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh. You know, we, we, we're seeing this fruit of racism that comes from the roots and, and if we keep on chopping off limbs and, and that's our whole strategy, it doesn't change. We need to be reborn and we're a people of rebirth where resurrection power, where end times power is at work in us and we want to see it. And that change, as Nicodemus is taught here, as we have just heard, begins in us as we open ourselves up to the work of the Spirit. What's fascinating here is that Jesus talks about the work of the Spirit as wind. And I think that's really powerful. And again, I wish we had more time to deal with it, but he basically says, so you got to know about wind. And, and when Jesus uses the word wind, it's a play on words because the word for wind in both Hebrew and Greek is the same as the word for spirit. Uh, and so he's saying the spirit, the wind blows wherever it wants. It is wild and unpredictable and uncontrollable. It does what it wants to do. And it blows all sorts of stuff all over the place. Uh, and you cannot control it. And that is what it will look like in our lives, in our church, if we allow the Holy Spirit to work. Um, the wind will blow and it will mess up all of our old systems because he's not interested in just modifying or tweaking the worldly systems that we're used to. He is interested in remaking us from the ground up. And so the wind of the Spirit comes and he takes our stacks of paper, our stacks of our lives, and he blows them all over the place at his will, at his desire. And I say we open ourselves up to it. You know, the Venturi effect is in full effect right now. The wind is whipping. I'm not saying that everything that's kind of blowing us around is the Holy Spirit, but I am saying that the Holy Spirit is at work in everything that's blowing us around right now. And he wants to transform us. And so we have a couple of options. Option one is we sort of batten down the hatches and we try to ride out the storm and keep things as stable and as normal as they can be. When can I return to normal is the question is of this posture. Can I hold out this storm with the least damage done? 
The other posture is what I saw out in the desert as we drove through, as some visionary people stuck up windmills, stuck up these wind turbines and said, you know what, I think in this wind there is a new kind of power. And man, what if that were our posture? Instead of battening down the hatches, what if we stuck up the, the turbines? What if we stuck up the sails and said, I don't want to be the same at the end of this. I want to soar on this wind. I want to sail on this wind to new places, to the kingdom of God and to the restoration. And my friends, that's the posture we want to take. Of course, all of this, you know, uh, leads to a question, which is, what does that look like? Uh, and that's a conversation that we need to have, that we will have over the weeks ahead. How do we put up our hands? How do we put up our sails to the wind of the Spirit? Uh, how do we participate with the work of the Holy Spirit? You know, that's what Jesus says to Nicodemus here is you must be born again. It's such a fascinating command that happens over and over again when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit. It's this uh, passive imperative where he's saying, look, the Holy Spirit does the work, but you have to be, you have to participate. You have to put yourself in the stream of it. And we're going to be talking about over the weeks ahead habits by which we put ourselves in the stream of the Holy Spirit for the sake of renewal, for the sake of transformation, for the sake of entering into the kingdom of God. For today, though, I don't want to kind of rattle off a list of habits. I simply want to ask, would you commit to offering yourself to God today and on a daily basis throughout the rest of this week with me? You know, there are lots and lots of prayers we could be praying, whether it's Psalm 51 that says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. You know, that's an amazing prayer we could be praying. There's Psalm 139 that says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We will be having more conversations about what this looks like because my friends, I want to be that kind of church where the kingdom of God is actively breaking out, where we can point to it and say, see, you see it happening, it's happening among us. Um, for now, for this week, let's start with just opening ourselves up to the Holy Spirit and saying, I don't want to batten down the hatches. I don't want to go back to normal. I want you to empower new life in me. Would you pray that prayer with me right now? Holy Spirit, here we are. Our hearts are open. Our lives are open to you. Come and do whatever you want to. Come, wind of God, and remake us. Tear down whatever needs to be torn down. Tear down any systems in us, anything in us that is not from you, and lead us into your salvation, into your kingdom, and into your joy. Remake us, recreate us into the image of Christ more and more day by day. We want to be like you. We want to see the kingdom of God come. Create in us a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in us. Search us, O God, and know our hearts. Try us and know our anxious thoughts. See if there's any hidden way and lead us into the way everlasting. Holy Spirit, we are yours. Come and do whatever you want to do. Canopy, it's so good to be together.